What is going on? This is Michael Hacker with the Hacker Outdoors podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I am joined with Joey McCormick and Brian Hacker. We discuss Joey's most recent Santee Cooper tournament, as well as New Jersey muskie fishing. Um, we hope you enjoy, and without further ado, and ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Thank you for joining the Hacker Outdoors podcast. I am joined by our co-hosts, Joseph McCormick, Joey McCormick, and of course, Brian Hacker over there in that Fly Bass Bros t-shirt and his New York Rangers hat today. Joe, you're looking very New England today, prep, we'll say. Um, you've got the flowing yeah. locks going, you've got your vineyard vines <laughs> dress shirt on, and you had crab cakes for dinner. That's called lax bro down here. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> full lax bro. I had a function at my daughter's school today, so I had to dress somewhat like an adult. So mm-hmm. that's well, that's what it is. Well, last week, a got a, story. last week got a little away from us. We did one show. Um, you know, we're trying we're trying to do better. We got, you know, personal lives. Sometimes they get in the way. Um, Brian, you know, I had to wash his hair or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, but as you can see from the video here, Brian is growing a monster beard and mustache. Uh, Joe still can't do that. I've trimmed mine. Brian's growing his out because I grew mine out and then I trimmed mine for work. So uh, Brian now is growing his out. Um, Point going. <laughs> we're going to try and keep this short and sweet today. Um, you know, we got a, an update on, on Joe. Uh, Joe had a tournament this weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, my musky fishing extravaganza uh, this past weekend. Um, so, Joe, take it away, man. What happened? Yeah, uh, we were down Santee Cooper fishing, you know, the Cooper system, which Lake Marion, Luck Moultrie, and the Cooper River. It was the second BFL for the Southie, for this, um, South Carolina division, and uh, it was a good weekend. Um, the, the bite was on. Um, if nobody's ever been to Santee Cooper before, the amount of water you're allowed to fish is humongous. I, I can't even express it to you. Um, I, if you're familiar with South Carolina at all, um, when you're going down 95, you'll cross one of the lakes, but literally that lake probably goes another 25, 30 miles east of 95, and it also goes almost all the way to the coast to when you get on the Cooper River and go to the ocean. So it's a huge um, lake system, river system. We, me and my boater, we made the decision to run to the, the lower lake and uh, fish a place called the Hatchery. The bite was really good there the day before. Unfortunately, when we got there Saturday morning, there was about six, seven other boats there at least. The bite kind of died off. Um, I caught a lot of fish, just the size wasn't there. Um, I did weigh a couple fish. I did move up one spot overall in the overall standings, the 33rd so far in two events. That's my overall ranking for the, the South Carolina division. We still have three more events to go. Mr. Brennan Gunther got a ninth. I saw. I mean, his boater, I mean, his boater stayed um, on the upper lake, and that's where most of the big fish came from. Brendan actually, believe it or not, did not catch as many as fish as I did. He caught three fish, and he weighed three fish for over, was it 13 pounds, 14 pounds? So wow. A mammoth bag of fish. Wow. It was not even a bag. It was three fish. Three fish, yeah. So he is sitting in second place overall. 
um, so far for the season. So, wow, we're both sitting in contention for anglers of the year. You know, you can't complain. I mean, out of 250 guys to be sitting 33rd, that's good for, huge. Good for Brian. Man. Now, yeah. I know Brian had some questions about your your technique and what actually worked over there. We were kind of putzing around. So, Brian, I'll let you uh, jump right in. Yeah. So. First of all, what are the conditions like day one versus day two? And then uh, what did you switch up at all? I think one, I this, checked. this was only a one day. Um, one day, about, okay. It was nine, by the end of the day, it was 93 degrees and 93. partly yeah. cloudy. Um, water temperatures. So the funny thing is on the upper lake, the water temperatures where we were at were like 65, 66. So they were just kind of coming up to start doing their thing. I only saw one fish on the bed on the upper lake, but on the lower lake where Brennan was fishing, the, the temperatures were like 72, 74, and they were on beds um, doing the love dance. Doing the thing. I mean, there, there was a difference between the two lakes as, as there usually is. Yeah. When you fish, you know, to be a boater or to fish a tournament on a body that big, it's a tough call. You know, our run in the morning was probably, we probably, ran an hour and 10 minutes a day so you know it, it's not like you can just go boom 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 i mean if you're no. committing to go where we went you're, you're committing to go there by the time we decided to leave there i guess it was probably around like 11 by the time we got to the next spot we wanted to go to we might have had like 20 minutes to fish before we had to be back in <laughs> i would have made the same decision i would have made it again because the night before in practice you every cast you were just getting smoked by huge fish in the hatchery um, it's a pretty well-known place up there but yeah. for some reason it just we think maybe because of boat traffic because like i said when we got there there's like six or seven boats like the first place we went into there's like this little you can't really call it a canal was, i guess you could say canal with saw grass on both sides and there was three boats in there with us and it wasn't big yeah. at all by the time the end of the day came i mean there was probably 10 to 14 boats all through the hatchery whipping around and you know, putting pressure on it. So overall, I mean, I still moved up from the points. Like it's I said, huge script. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, a, still the goal. in legit, legitimate contention. I mean, I could still get the angler of the co-angler of the year. Yeah. I also still have my Northeastern division too. So <laughs> which hasn't started yet. But. When's uh, that first weekend for the Northeastern division? It's April yeah. 17th. Upper, upper Chesapeake Bay. So, what, two and a half weeks? Hmm. And that will be a whole, you know, it's completely, right now where the south is compared to where we're going to be when we start, as far as where the fish are and what the fish are doing are going to be completely, completely different. Yeah. They, they'll be pre-spawn. I don't, they won't really be close to spawn, I don't think. Yeah, the water temperature is nowhere near warm enough. So they'll be just coming into pre-spawn. And you said spawning for them is around what temperature? 60. If you Google it, they'll say like 60, they'll say like 66, 68 to like 73, 74, like tops of 74. Like really the magic number to my mind is like 68, to like 72, like in there. I mean, yeah, you, you'll find them doing it like at 64, 65. Yeah. We're really, way off on that. So, yeah. you know, I we don't to, see that till May. Yeah, we, that's long ways off the fish finder finally got that up and operational on the canoe and um where i was fishing for muskie the other day it was showing 56 so yeah, no, and, that, and that was in the shallows 
<laughs> so pre-spawn usually when they say pre-spawn they're usually talking water temperatures like 54 and up to that spawn number that's right when the pre-spawn usually starts like 55 really mm -hmm. really see start kicking into full effect from what i've seen like around 58 degrees yeah. 57 degrees and up and that's probably the bay is not a deep body of water i think the average depth of the chesapeake bay is like 12 feet throughout the whole thing and still, I don't think the bay is anywhere close to there. Probably like same as you, like 55. I'd say to maybe find some spots in the 60s. I haven't been out there yet this year, but I was on the Potomac two weeks ago. I think the highest I saw was, what did I say, like 64? Yeah. And that, those were in creeks, shallow creeks, where obviously it's going to warm up quicker. Yeah. You got to remember, it's been a cold winter. Yeah. So, so if we can, if we can just circle back on that, you know, what we talked a little bit about last show about what you were going to be using oh, oh. Um, to target where you right on the money. Would you it. say, Oh, can you hear me, Bray? I hear you. Yep. Joe, can you hear me? There you are. There you are. All right. Yep, yep, I was yep. saying, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about technique and you know, what you were going to be throwing. Uh, did you stick with the plan and did that work for you? So my number one plan, which I'm not going to give up, um, I share it with Brennan, and I actually shared the bait, the, you know, the exact bait I was going to use, and he smoked him on them. It's not something that 99% of people are going to be throwing down there. Um, a lot of guys were, were flipping down there. And, you know, where we were, there's a lot of sawgrass, real thick sawgrass and real thick lily pads. So, that, you know, flipping three-eighth weights with, you know, crawl style baits or beaver style baits with it you know just punching getting down in there and just like back and forth real quick um some people are throwing chatter baits but then there's also cypress trees like lanes of just lanes and lanes of cypress trees where people will like skip cinco's down the lanes or they'll throw spinner baits down the lanes chatter baits um that, that stuff came into play yeah um a lot more plastics i, I think weighed Soft plastics weighed the most fish, whether you're, it was like a flipping bite with like a crawl or a beaver style bait or a Cinco or so more of a presentation like that from what I heard weighed the most fish, um, especially when they're on beds, but when, when fish are on beds, that's what they'll do. They'll find the bed, they'll flip like a Cinco or they'll flip like a, usually it's like a Cinco or like a worm style bait on the bed to get them to go after it. But yeah, mostly, like I said, most of the bags I know that got weighed in came in on plastics, whether it was, like I said, crawl beavers or like Cinco style baits. Mm. So those of you fishing in the South um, this week, how about just stick with, uh, stick with those techniques for the okay. time being? Well, if the wind would have kicked up, you know, the chatter bait would have played yeah. more or swimming. Yeah. Actually, I heard some guys were catch a lot. Um, there was a, a club tournament out, a smaller club tournament. And the one guy called 10 times, you know, he's fishing um, a swim bait on top of the water, like a top, top water bait, like waking it. And he was smoking them. No, I wouldn't have thought that. Oh yeah. That's a huge thing down South. They'll throw um, skinny dippers or they'll throw big, easy swim baits yeah. and, and they'll wake them. They'll fish them on top. So the tail's like top flap of the water. away. Almost like a whopper. Yeah. I would think warmer water for that. That's, that's actually funny. That's, that's a good note. Well, that 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 lake is, it's it's shallow. Like the deepest I fished all day was maybe maybe six feet. Maybe. Oh wow! I would say most of the time it was between two and four. 
it's pretty shallow fishing there, you know, power fishing or flipping. It, you can really make anything work. Yeah. But, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We, so we will pivot for a second. So I, I took the godson uh, musky fishing, or I'm sorry, my nephew, not my godson. I'm taking him fishing this weekend, musky fishing. And uh, we took him out on the canoe and we hit up a body of water here in Jersey that, you know, I fished a few times. This is my second time targeting musky uh, directly uh, the fish of what is it the 10,000 casts so uh wasn't really expecting to catch anything but was hoping with the full moon and everything going on uh environmentally that it would be a pretty good shot of of catching something and uh it's the first time i was able to break out the fish finder and and get to see how that works right um so this body of water is pretty stocked um with all sorts of types of fish and specifically musky and tiger musky. Um, and it's not a very big lake, like I was saying in the last show, it's um, decent size. Um, but we got out there and we were one of two people on the water, two people, we, the other people were uh, bass fishing from kayaks and not having any luck whatsoever. Um, I stood up on the canoe for a second just to take a look in the shallows. There's a whole back section that's maybe maybe two feet deep, and you could see where they've started making beds. I, I, I would probably gather that it, it wasn't bass yet. That's probably the musky and probably uh, you know some of the other fish in the water, not necessarily the bass at this point. I really um, think it was, yeah. Yeah, but you could see them. You could see the the bass holes. We'll say. I would um, think like maybe musky. <clears throat> Yeah, I honestly I don't know enough about them how they breed or if they breed that way. I was reading that they uh, male muskies at the end of uh, spawning they they come out and if you catch them they're scarred up because the part of the mating ritual is, is that the female just scratches them up, which is kind of crazy. Um, so you see them. Bass is like, the same thing. Yeah, I see. I've never seen that. I I, I think Look at I've the fish always the picture I posted. I don't know if you can see it on there. The tail. Not only was it red, but it was like chewed. Like you could see where it was being chewed and bit. See, I saw the red. I didn't see the chew there. Yeah. Yeah, because the tail is kind of. Maybe if you look at Brennan's, maybe you could be able to see a little bit more. But yeah, they get chewed up pretty, pretty hardcore. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. So we tried everything we could. Um, the fish finder was chiming every few seconds, somewhere in like the ten foot range. Uh, so this lake has a section that's maybe thirty feet, thirty four feet. Um, and then as soon as you get to where the drop off is at about the 10 foot range, we just started seeing the bait bombs everywhere, right? Like just giant balls of bait. And on the fish finder, you just see these lines, these long lines on the outskirts. And I'm like, that is what we're targeting right there. That's the muskie or whatever else that's feeding on them. Some big bass, like getting these fish to just form these piles. So we were casting everything we could down there trying to get to them. And, uh, we had, you know, the figure eight or the circle. We tried a few different techniques. We had few chases, chase-ins, my, my nephew and I, uh, it was two, we couldn't get them to bite, it, you know, didn't slow down at all, didn't, you know, didn't stutter, didn't freeze, um, just no bites on that. But when we did have it out there, um, I had a big hit on one of the, you know, the bucktails that I was tossing out there and it just, I don't know if I messed that up and didn't set it right or whatever, but um, just nothing. And he claims the same thing, um, but the muskie were hitting the surface. So every so often the, the sun would go behind the clouds, 
the wind would die down ever so slightly. And then all of a sudden you would just see the muskie crash the surface of the water and almost like flip. And I, I've never seen a kid get so excited to see a fish. I, I mean, he's never seen tarpon hit the air, right? But um, watching these massive like 30 to 40 inch fish jump out of the water and crush something. And of course you throw right there as soon as you see them and, and they're already gone. Um, but it, it was pretty cool. Um, headed back there on Saturday. Um, that should be maybe hour 300 for me at this point, but uh, or 300 casts. Uh, so maybe maybe we'll land something this weekend. Um, I'm hopeful we're gonna try. Uh, the guy at the dock at the end said he did catch uh, a young muskie on a drop shot rig. So. Um, or no, not a drop shot or a Ned rig. I said to you, right, Joe? Um, yeah, Ned rig. So, you know, I'm going to set up the, uh, my finesse rod with that and, and give that a whirl on top of doing the swim baits and everything else. I had to place an order because uh, we did lose one of my bucktails and one of my swim baits because of uh, malfunctions with one of my rods that's now being trashed. But um, all in all, a good day on the water, man. Uh, just always fun it's difficult on the canoe right like you're cruising along and you, you think you're in a good spot and then the wind picks up ever so slightly and you are out of position so i spent a lot of the time trying to keep us in position while he was fishing and then um you know get into a little doldrum between the wind and i would cast a few and yeah hopefully this weekend's a little bit different yeah well I will tell everybody this. If you want to catch fish and you're not catching them, throw finesse. Yeah. Any fish will eat it. Well, bigger. It depends on the hook of the size, but a lot of times that, that's, that's the secret. You know, but if they're busting on top, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't hit your top water. Like, Well, the so the top water I threw out, it was – so long story short is my, my old rod – uh, I think one of the guides has a chip in it. So he casted it once and, and all I see is the, the lure go whoosh, straight out. And I just see the line just kind of spooling in his hand. I go, what the heck just happened? He goes, I have no idea. So I'm like, quick, let's paddle and get my, my lure back. I just bought it. You know, and those are, you're talking giant lures um, and they cost, you know, more than like, I think it was like $14. I'm like, no, let's go recover that freaking $14 lure, man. Um, but it was too late. It already sank into the abyss and uh I, I said, let me see that. So I switched it out and I, I put on a, a top water bait because I saw them busting and um, I cast out there like first cast, literally the same thing happened, but luckily top water floats. So we were able to paddle over to it and, and recover it. And I'm like, and this rod is now garbage because I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. It's a 15 year old rod. Um, and I went with the light setup, um, but I should have done the draw. I should have done finesse, man. Uh, that's, I had it in my head. I was just, I was getting frustrated from paddling and, um, you know, having to switch out everything that was on there. And uh, this boats are that, important, man. That, that's the pain of the ass of a canoe is, is the paddling and any wind you're pretty much, you know, already at a loss because it's just constant paddling, constant paddling, constant paddling. Yeah. It's a lot tough. Of work. It's not easy. Yeah, a lot of work. Unless you're like a float trip, you're just kind of floating down the river slowly. I mean, that's, but on a lake, man, especially when that wind kicks up, like that day you and I were out, it, I mean, it wasn't easy. No. It was not easy. 
but it, but it's easier when you're with two people and like when I go out by myself on the canoe, it's, it's somewhat difficult because you know, granted I bring a few rods with me that I'm using and I set up everything. So that way I know I'm not, you know, trying to change things out at the last second. Um, at least not on purpose. Um, that kind of helps you a little bit, but you know, when you have to change something out and you're with someone who's not really, you know, you know, who's young, who doesn't really know how to paddle or when to, you know, put the effort into it to keep you in place or keep you from crashing up onto rocks or onto the shore, you know, you got to keep your head on a swivel out there, right? Especially the water's cold. Um, you do not want to flip that canoe. You do not want to go into that water. Um, granted, it's not a, a big lake, like I said, so you don't have very far to go to get to shore, but even then, you know, it's not fun. Um, but I will keep everyone posted as to what happens this weekend. Um, and we will try and touch base again on Thursday. This is, uh, you know. Yeah, looks like I have a, a small tournament this weekend, just an open series tournament. So we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'll let you know for sure Thursday. Sounds good, brother. Brian, hey, what about going you? On with you? You going to fish this weekend or what? Me? No. I, funny enough, I dug out the skateboards and uh, I, I know some some spring swells on its way, so I want to want to hit the pavement a little bit, carve up, and kind of get my feet used to moving a little bit. So that's that's my goal this weekend is to uh, to work on the surf skating in the front yard. Well, so I'm also so, quasi like got going this weekend. I'm quasi to blame for Brian not fishing because uh, I ripped my waders and, you know, they were cheaper waders. So I borrowed Brian's Orvis waders and I was wow. doing a little bit of wading the other day. And I'm like, man, why is my leg cold? Hop out of the water and I just go through giant water state. I'm like, what the heck, man? Why do these waders uh, always do this? Always in the same spot. Like, in the, so... Mm -hmm. I'm getting Brian's waders repaired, which means I don't have waders, which means that Brian doesn't have waders, which means that trout fishing is not happening anytime soon until Orvis uh, repairs them. And Orvis is great. They're, um, yeah. they have a great service center. You just have to ship it to them and, you know, they have their lifetime warranty on them and everything. So yeah, always How gravy. They... How... Oh, you broke up. How do, they, how do they break? <clears throat> just... just the seams, I think. It just I think so too. I, I, you would think, Joe, that they would maybe work in conjunction with some of the surf wetsuit. I would think because it's not cheap, which that's no, exactly. At all. Yeah, you know, and, and those suits, I mean, they're not dry suits, but I could tell you that my Excel wetsuit doesn't let in water outside of the, the yeah, little thin layer that it lets in, you know, that you're supposed to let in, but. That's what I hear with those excels that they don't let let water. In. I, I agree with you. I think they would they, eventually they would get together and kind of yeah put their heads together. But I don't know. there's some brands out there doing neoprene and everything like that. I yeah, but like so I had a pair of neoprene gloves, and they were hard. Like not the same neoprene like as a wetsuit. It didn't seem like because right. you know like I don't know. It, it just seemed not there yet. I guess. Yeah. It's not yet. So, so I'm to blame for Brian not fishing this weekend. And that's why he's skateboarding instead of ch chasing uh, oh, trout. You can start fishing for trout in New Jersey on Thursday. Well, mm -hmm. 
you can fish for trout now. Don't let the people on the forum scare you. Uh, depending upon where you are, just check regulations. Um, but statewide opens up on April 1st. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, my buddy wasn't targeting them. He was targeting bass today, and he was out on the Delaware River and got a beautiful brown trout um, on bass gear. So he said this thing fought like heck. He thought it was a beautiful little smallie, and it turned out to be a ba- uh, nice little brown trout. Um, so always nice little surprises. But we'll get back out there, Brian, once your waiters come back. And I apologize again for that. That's a public It's apology. all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fellas. We'll, we're going right, to do Thursday, I hope. Yep, yeah, let's, let's do it. Do Thursday. Thursday. Let's do it. All right, guys. All take right, care. Later, right, fellas. Guys. Have a good night. night. Later. Bye. Later.